The following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. Craig Lewis. I'm Nathan Kavasser. Today we are talking about Mowgli. We are not talking the about the Jungle Books. Well, well, we are talking about the Jungle Books, but this isn't the Jungle Books episode. This is strictly focused on Mowgli. Uh, nor is it the episode based on the movie. Yes, we're not talking about the character from the Disney film. We're talking about the original Rudyard Kipling cl- classic. Sorry, that was wow. Whoa, Rudyard Kipling classic. A Kipling classic. Yes. For all times. You always have trouble with some of those words there. Well, like you, no, you just spill saying over. them all together. Yeah. Ru- say that three times fast. Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling, Kipling classic. Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling classic. classic. Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling, Kipling classic. classic. Ah. See, I messed up on the last one. Toy boat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so so you're going to hear all about the actually surprisingly badass and intricate story of Mowgli from the Jungle Books a lot more so than is, what you see in the movie. Is there a really big contrast between the movie Mowgli and... Oh, yeah. Mowgli's, uh, it, I'm, we're probably going to say Mowgli a lot. It's pronounced Mowgli, and I'm going to make a concerted effort to pronounce it Mowgli, but uh, I always called him Mowgli. Well, I mean, we've been real lazy on the last other ones. You know, it's not like we called it Sawin or... Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> we say it how we feel, damn it. <laughs> Pokemon. No. That'll get, you, that that'll get you banned for life. That doesn't feel right, though. That just doesn't sound correct. But before we get into the meaty goodness of this episode, you're always the one coming here talking about how you saw a new movie last night. Well, I finally got to watch The World's End. Oh, is that the Simon Pegg? Yeah. Oh, Edgar well, Wright. It's an Edgar Wright film. Edgar yeah, Wright Simon film. Pegg and Nick Frost in it. It's the third in the trilogy of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Awesome. How was it? The Cornetto trilogy. Uh, it was awesome. I liked it better than This is the End. Have you seen This is the End? The comedy? Yeah. Yes. I, I thought This well, is I mean, the End was funnier. I feel like The World's End has a more serious tone to the whole thing. I don't know about serious. I didn't I didn't see it, but I always feel like, I don't know, like even with Shaun of the Dead, it's a comedy parody, but... Okay, yeah, like I get you. It, it, it takes a more serious and this is the look end at is it, just, and This is the End is just straight comedy. Yeah, just joke after joke. And, yeah. And it is funnier in some ways, but... I thought The World's End was an infinitely better picture. It was an awesome uh, movie. I loved it. I, I do really want to see that movie. Liked it a lot better than Hot Fuzz. I didn't really like Hot Fuzz. Shaun of the Dead, I think, was still the best. Absolutely. But World's End was cool. Uh, characters took a little bit getting used to before you really accepted them as like full-fledged characters. But it was really cool. I love the way it balanced... A movie about friends going out and drinking together after not seeing each other for many years. And a movie about robots getting their shit fucked up. Yeah, like, like the apocalypse type. It was it was pretty cool. What'd you think of This is the End? 
I liked it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of funny moments in it. I watched that movie. I watched half of it and went to bed and fell asleep. And then and I, I went to bed thinking, this is fucking awesome. I love this movie. This is great. Yeah. The next night, I watched the second half of it and wasn't as satisfied. Not because the second half was inferior, but when it ended, I was like, oh, that's it? That's the end? This is the end. This is the end, <laughs> yeah, man. This is the end. Really. Believe it. But like, Better believe it. I didn't get what I expected out of it. Um, my favorite movie is Clerks. So I'm totally fine with a movie about people remaining in pretty much one spot and it being more or less completely dialogue based. That's my bread and butter right there. But not this. But the, well, the trailer didn't make me think that was what I was in store for. Oh, I was okay. looking for them running around, monsters everywhere, buildings collapsing, thunder, lightning, earthquakes, volcanoes, and well, I mean, all of they, this. They did kind of have that. Just it was more sporadically. It was yeah. like fifteen minutes out of the whole two-hour movie. You yeah, know? Like, it was mostly about characters. Yeah, and I thought we were gonna get all that funny them guys reacting to all this crazy nonsense, and we got them hiding from it. Which was cool. Right. If that was how it was billed to me, I probably would have been much more satisfied. You know what I, I mean? I see what you're saying. You're, it was expectations. Yeah. Honestly, I was hoping it was going to be good, but I went into it thinking, hey, as long as, I'm, as I laugh, you know, as long as I laugh. Because, you know, movies like that tend to have a way of disappointing you. Of the, you know, that caliber, that type of movie you're expecting. Yeah. It's just like a dumb comedy that's not that good. If they had pitched it to me... The other way, I I would have been still just as excited about it and been like, oh, cool. This is going to be awesome. A movie where people – it's the end of the world, but we don't see none of that. We just see people hiding in a fucking house. <laughs> one thing people I th- we know, and that's hilarious. One thing I think they vastly underutilized, especially the way they built him up, was Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah. Definitely well, could have seen more of him in it. I thought Danny McBride was really funny in it, and I'm not – I'm not a Danny McBride fan, really, but – I'm not yeah. a – I'm not a, like – not a Danny McBride fan, but I'm not a Danny Mc... You know what I mean? Like, I'm not one of those... A lot of people fucking swear by him, and I'm not one right. of them. But right. he was very funny in that movie. Uh, the ending of The World's End, not to be confused with this is the end, fucking awesome. You already lost me. <laughs> <laughs> what? So. The World's Ending? <laughs> I don't have a shelter. Well, the ending was phenomenal. Like, it went past where the movie would have rightfully ended, and gave more but not in that shitty like lord of the rings it could have ended six times way like it was like oh my god they're really showing us more than like the movie rightfully should and it's fucking awesome like it was so great dude yeah i love it that's awesome awesome. so now you're gonna build it up for me and i'm gonna like go into the scene thing it's gonna be one of the better best movies don't expect that if you go in expecting that you will be disappointed because it's not that good it's not that type of movie but if don't go in expecting anything just go in and I'm going to go in saying, hey, I, you know, I like Edgar Wright. Basically, this. don't go in expecting anything, and you, you can expect to love it. I guess so. Craig's like, this doesn't work. <laughs> Mind blown. I would expect anything at all. Pray for the best and prepare for the best. That's what I always say. Then again, I'm not the person to be asking about these types of things. All right. We're, no, I'm not. I couldn't even like if the anybody's- gunpowder. Yeah, if anybody's gonna do that voice again, it's gonna be you and not me. Uh, it'll it'll probably slip out. It's uh, since we're bi-weekly now, we thought we'd do something a little uh, special, you know, to to pay back a little bit for waiting an extra week for us. We're gonna have a bonus segment at the end of this episode. A little, a uh, little, little extra loving for you about sure. Yeah, we 
got loving to spare. Too much loving, man. So after we have explored Mowgli to our fullest capabilities, or that we wish to, uh, we're going <laughs> to... Just whenever we say, fuck it, we're done. We're done. Okay, you know what? I'm, t- I'm ready to move on. And then we're these gonna... wolves found a baby. I'm fucking bored. Can we go in there and play Smash Brothers? No, we're going to do a little segment about actual feral children. But so, so stick around, and we'll have that. And now we go live to Craig Lewis with um, an, a, a fascinating news story here. Craig's live in the field. Yeah, um, is, uh, is this on? <clears throat> am, am I? Hello? It's on, yes. Hello? Yeah? Um, well, Nathan, um, have you ever wondered... I told you not to use my real name in public! I never told you that. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. That was Steve. I thought that was you. No, that was Nancy totally McButterstein. That conversation. Nancy McButterstein. That's my name. Don't wear it out. I'll make you buy me a new one. Nope. Nope. I would uh, like you to keep your silly fucking name. <laughs> Have you ever wondered? All the time. Who would win in a fight, man or bear? I haven't wondered that. I mean, generally bear. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna prove me wrong. The impressive thing is in Russia. Motherland. It's in Russia. <laughs> in mother country Russia. And are we talking Mowgli? Because Mowgli will whoop a bear's ass. Uh, no, a much older man that didn't live with the animals. Mowgli was born probably like well, not, not alive like 100 now. years ago. Not, Either way, this is... like the, the British... Hey, hey, who's, it, who's in the field, man? Who's in the field? I'm, You're in India? I'm in the field. No, I'm not. I'm in Russia. All right. It's a so Russian guy, okay? A, man, a Russian man fought a bear. No, this man was attacked by a bear, this 80-year-old man. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's always old dudes in the woods. Old real, dudes. Stay out man. of the fucking woods. No, mountain man. No, this old dude, instead of whimpering or playing dead, you know, like he probably should, he came at the bear and started kicking him like a ninja. What? Flurry kicks. It said he flurry kicks and punches. And then the bear swatted him. Okay? Okay. I'm, I'm enthralled. I'm listening. And he fell off a cliff. Oh, my God. He lived. I'm picturing him like, you remember Kevin Sorbo Hercules? Like yeah. how he'd punch somebody and then it would cut to them like flying halfway across the bar. Or like just, I'm picturing him that bear was just like, bow, that dude went flying. Like there was no cliff in sight or, like or in else a, he wouldn't have done it. This bear Abraham Lincoln him, threw him 12 feet. It's kind of like the ending to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently the bear was asked for, you know, question. was The bear was taken <laughs> in for questioning. <laughs> And you know what his reply was? The bears? Rawr. There, Rawr. Could, there could be only one. That's what he said? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Knocked cool. right off the cliff. There could be only one. The bear is the fucking Highlander. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I'm sure McLeod's descended so back to happened? Russia. So what happened? Did the guy climb the cliff and kick the bear's ass? No, the bear scurried off like a bitch. Fuck. And the man was then flown to a hospital. Fuck. Well, no, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. But, ah. Uh, I no, wanted him to it, climb that cliff. In actuality, they asked him for comment. Yeah, it would have been badass. He's like, fuck this. He's like, I'm going back. I'm finding this motherfucker. I left a mark. Rambo can do it. Blue's about to get that ass whooped. Because it's the bare necessities. <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to. I don't know any other words to that. Necessities song. nuts. <laughs> You just zinged that bear big time. (laughs) That bear is like somewhere listening to our podcast. Like, 
<laughs> I like this, guys. Dude, bears can't talk. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> they they can subscribe on that... iTunes, though. That's one thing that bears can't. Yeah, they click, he clicked the unsubscribe and button. And they can leave us a rating. <laughs> he rated us one star. Well, that bear may not have been brought in for questioning. No, no. But they talked to the man after, and what he replied was, I got off easy. It would have killed me if I chickened out. I or, like you it. know, in, in a Russian accent. <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> he can talk like that. It's the way I picture him. A man that can that will fight a bear in that old age. Like I, All I th- can think of is like Come Clint on, Eastwood. Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> Clint Eastwood. Punk bears. Well, the guy could take the bear to court. Well, maybe not in Russia. In Russia, their legal system might not be that way. But perhaps if he was in America... Uh, this family in Boston. <laughs> he sued the ass. S- sued sued bear. that bear's ass. Uh, but this family in Boston listed their cat, Sal Esposito. That's the cat's name. Okay. Uh, on their census form under pets as a member of their household. Did it count? Want to do. Well, yeah. I mean, they were asked to fill out their census. He's a member of their household, and there was a section for pets. So they filled them out. Are, are they taxed for? Well, no. As, as a result, a few weeks later... They got a letter in the mail, a jury duty summons for Sal Esposito. Ah, uh, <laughs> wow. And they were like, uh, dude. So they filed to have their pet disqualified from the service requirement. So would you be able, would they have to go and take the place of Sal Esposito in, in jury duty? No, you can't do that. That's fraud. No, the cat. It's, I know, but if you can't they go... They just put... They can put no, the cat I'm on... No, you <laughs> can't go in the place of somebody else, like, for jury duty. So then they would put so, the cat. They, so they would literally well, bring the cat and... So no, seriously, well, okay. what if okay. cat was jury number 11? Okay. It was just a like grumpy cat. <laughs> Guilty. We haven't even, like, stated the offenses. How did this juror not get disqualified in the pre... <laughs> He's totally biased. I hate America. I hate Mondays. I hate... I hate Garfield. I hate lasagna, too. Love Mondays. That's the one thing Grumpy Cat likes. Well, what they did was they filed to have Sal Esposito disqualified on the grounds that, quote-unquote, he is unable to speak and understand English. So, Grumpy Cat goes on trial? She even included a letter from her veterinarian, which explained that Sal is not a human being... (laughs) But a domestic, short-haired, neutered feline. And the courts rejected her request for disqualification. Why? How <laughs> dumb are they? Are they like, you know what? No, no, no. This could be pertinent to a future case. We might need a cat on the stand. We need an unbiased opinion. It's a jury of your peers. <laughs> it is actually animal court. Somebody's... Um, <laughs> animal court. <laughs> somebody's cockatoo... Is suing somebody else's cat? For libel. <laughs> For libel. Grumpy cat's like, he's got tattoos, lock him up. <laughs> yeah, so Animal Court probably exists then, right? Why? Hope so. This is why that it, that, it, that he didn't deny the request, because Animal Court actually exists in their specific county. The following cases are real. They involve animals, just like the ones in your living room. The plaintiff. Mr. Muggles. (laughs) (laughs) So when there is something strange in the neighborhood, who who are you going to call, Nathan? 
Um, well, I know who to call when I have ghosts, but who do I call when I have monsters? Two points if you got that reference. No, um, um, if there's something strange in my neighborhood, I would probably call, like, the sex offender registry. Well, no, <laughs> like, I was, you were on the in? right track the first time. Monster um, Squad? Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I thought that's so where you were going. Who do I call when I have monsters? The Monster Squad. Oh, is that <laughs> why they're? Co- oh. Anyways, no, but I was just saying something strange. Uh, but apparently, you also call nine 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 if you were living in Gloucestershire, England. I don't believe I am. But if you were, you'd be calling nine 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 because there was something strange in my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, there was an actual police call somebody said that they should call the ghostbusters because there's something strange in the neighborhood there was a freedom of information request by the local supernatural society uh said that they were gonna you know step up investigations because these things are being called in like people are serious about them or something and i'll be honest with you the entire time i was reading this i was searching for like a link to the onion or something because i didn't believe it yeah no people are actually calling the gloucestershire police to do this and then apparently they have to call the uh, Supernatural Society. Honestly, I think it's something you, sh- you would just be like, hey, Taps, you want to you wanna get out over here? <laughs> British Taps. Maybe eventually there will be an actual Supernatural police force if the demand is that high. I don't know if it would be government funded, though. But seriously, like one call a lady called them, and she was complaining that her partner was trying to put a spell on her using witchcraft. Really? Yeah, so... If you ask me, I think uh, those teen exorcists from Arizona wanna, were on to something. I want to see that episode of Cops. He was trying to put a spell on me with that witchcraft. That bitch is a bloody liar, she is. <laughs> that's, the guy, that's the white trash. It's a white trash guy, Fox. <laughs> I've been in Gloucestershire all me life. Guys, 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 we don't want to have to be called back here every night. You... Go to your sister's officer, house. Officer, do I look like a man who uses guy, witchcraft? Guy, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. She's going to her sister's for the night. You're going to stay here. No, she no, must stay here. Shut up. You're she has stay. to clean the gutters. That's all they wanted. If we have to come back here tonight, we're taking both of you downtown. <laughs> yeah, if you come back here tonight, I'll turn you a fucking nuke. See, if every time, this happens every time. Turn the fuck. Every fucking time. See what happens? What? And now, what you and now you're coming downtown. And now you're coming downtown, and she's staying home. Uh, you never take me alive, coppers. <laughs> we already, lightning boat. We lightning already boat. Have, lightning boat. We lightning already boat. have John Johnson. Let's go. John. Somebody warned John Johnson. Tell him to play his They name. got me kitched. I'm telling you. Yeah, so <laughs> calls of actual wizards. And <laughs> and like wizards. Werewolves, too. Some taxi driver claimed that his wife was a werewolf. The crazies really are out there. Wow. Yeah, maybe we should send those teen exorcists from I Arizona mean, to Gloucestershire. Maybe his dude. They need to see Jesus. They'd probably call the cops on him. Um, and we don't always get moments in our life... Uh, that really touch our hearts. Do you? Well, no. If we if we always got them, they wouldn't be special. Well, this one happens to involve Batman. Well, those moments almost uniformly touch my heart. 
Well, remember how you said that only two people could ever be Batman? Yes. Well, now there's a third. Bruce Wayne One and more person Dick Grayson. Well, I mean, other people list. have been Batman. Like um, Jean-Paul Valet and uh, or Jean-Paul Valley. I always want to call him Jean-Paul Valet because it sounds more French. No, 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 no. but th- this one can be accepted. This one can be accepted. Really? We'll, we'll allow it. Did you hear about what happened in San Francisco with Miles Scott and the Make-A-Wish Foundation? No. No, really. So this is going to, yeah, this is going to blow your mind. Miles Scott, he's a young kid with leukemia. He's a little five-year-old boy, right? His wish was to be Batman. Oh, yeah? So you want to know what somebody did? They went out and they organized a huge thing in San Francisco. He dressed up as Batman. People pretended to, you know, like, he pretended he ran around the streets and fought crime. And they shot his parents in an alleyway. They were like, here's your wish, kid. <laughs> they started you want to be Batman. You got to really live it. Oh, oh, come on. And now you're going to, oh. Now you're going to cry and throw it in our face. Try to make us feel bad. Oh, never. Never that. You know what? Maybe we took it a little too far, Frank. We uh, should not have <laughs> really gone this far. I just wanted to be authentic. <laughs> I wanted to have the real experience. No, uh, he ran around and, you know, he staged. He stopped robberies and, and muggings and stuff like that. And at the end, he was held up in, like, out in front of the mayor's hall. You know, it is set up like it looked like it was Gotham, and they handed him the key to the city. That's fucking cool. So, so a lot of times, you know, you hear stories about small things. Like this was some huge thing. Can you imagine how much planning it took to get? You know, like what if like he ran into an actual mugging, somebody that like wasn't a part of it, and he saved them? That'd be so <laughs> dope, right? Like he just shoots his eye, uh, throws a batarang at him, and he's like, what "The fuck, a little kid playing Batman." Yo, and this kid turns out turns out he had all the skills, and he's like, "Oh, you guys thought I was being cute? No, <laughs> no. no, I just Fuck needed the funds. Okay, the city. my Kickstarter have, was, was not getting up. This fucking parade. I have crime to stop. I don't know why, but for some reason, when you put up a Kickstarter to uh, fund vigilanteism as Batman, it, people don't don't donate to that. Me personally, I would if I saw that on Kickstarter." Like, here's 10 I mean, bucks. I haven't actually. That wasn't. That's not me. I haven't actually. But if you see anyone in the Syracuse area, we do need a protector. We do. And, uh, you should totally donate to that Kickstarter, and any other Kickstarters that that account might have started. I'm just saying. Yes. 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 So yeah, I just, I just think that was extremely awesome. Like, I was reading the story, and like, I was getting all misty eyed. He's like, "What the fuck? You, you printed a fucking news story? That now everyone kid. knows my name." You're totally shitting all over my wish. Well, thank you, Make-A-Wish Foundation. I'm trying to stop crime here. No, yeah, that's fucking awesome. We're making jokes, but not at the expense yeah. of that awesome kid that got to fucking be Batman. Little Miles Scott, I'll tell you what, you're more of a man than I am because that was always one, one of my dreams. Totally. You are awesome because do you realize that I won't even ever be Batman for Halloween because I know I'm not fucking Batman? <laughs> so, okay, fine. Three people are allowed to be Batman. Yes. Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, and Miles Scott. Yeah, let us say thanks again to Make-A-Wish Foundation. You guys do awesome fucking things. Uh, this, this, the th- What you did for this kid was not what he needed, but it was what he deserved. Or wait, it wasn't what he deserved, but it was what he needed. No. 
I, yeah, I think you deserve a... cancer or leukemia. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I was trying to make a Batman line out of it. Uh, you, you, I think you got it right the first time. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky, and the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back, for the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Wash daily from nose tip to tail tip, drink deeply but never too deep. And remember the night is for hunting, and forget not the day is for sleep. The jackal may follow the tiger, but cub when thy whiskers are grown. Remember the wolf is a hunter. Go forth and get food of thine own. Keep peace with the lords of the jungle, the tiger, the panther, the bear. And trouble not Hathi the silent, and mock not the boar in his lair. When pack meets with pack in the jungle, and neither will go from the trail, lie down till the leaders have spoken, it may be fair words shall prevail. When ye fight with the wolf of the pack, ye must, ye must fight him alone and afar, lest others take part in the quarrel, and the pack be diminished by war. The lair of the wolf is his refuge, and where he has made him his home. Not even the head wolf may enter, not even the council may come. Come. <laughs> Craig, this is a family podcast. The lair of the wolf is his refuge, but where he has digged it to plain, the council shall send him a message, and so he shall change it again. I won't say again. I fucking hate that shit. If ye kill before midnight, be silent, and wake not the woods with your bay, lest ye frighten the deer from their crops, and the brothers go empty away. Ye may kill for yourselves and your mates, and your cubs as they need, and ye can, but kill not for pleasure of killing, and seven times never kill man. If he plunder his kill from a weaker, devour not all in thy pride. Pack right is the right of the meanest, so leave him the head and the hide. The kill of the pack is the meat of the pack. Ye must eat where it lies, and no one may carry away of that meat to his lair, or he dies. The kill of the wolf is the meat of the wolf. He may do what he will. But till he has given permission, the pack may not eat of that kill. Cubright is the right of the yearling. From all of his pack may he claim. Full gorge when the killer has eaten, and none may refuse him the same. Lairright is the right of the mother. From all of her years she may claim. One haunch of each kill for her litter, and none may deny her the same. Cave right is the right of the father. To hunt by himself for his own, he is freed of all calls to the pack. He is judged by the council alone. <laughs>
because of his age and his cunning, because of his gripe and his paw, in all that the law leaveth open, the word of the head wolf is law. Now these are the laws of the jungle, and many and mighty are they, but the head and the hoof of the law, and the haunch and the hump, is obey. Just the facts! Mowgli is a recurring character in English novelist Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Books. He was a feral child in central India, raised by wolves, who grew to become the master of the jungle. Master, you say? I... Master is what I say. I say, ma- yes, that's what he is. Hmm. It is kind of... Uh, Rudyard Kipling was kind of a racist. What a dick. So that it, I do feel kind of uncomfortable using that term because it is kind of used. I mean, there were certain connotations with that word. Like, he wasn't a Pokemon master. Right. He knew fair well what he was talking about. And sadly enough, that's just the way it was then, I guess. Yeah, it's not a defense, Stupid. but... It is true, like, it was the exception of the rule to not be racist back then. It wasn't the norm, but, I mean, closed-minded ignorance is still closed-minded ignorance. So Mowgli's a badass, huh? Yeah, yeah, back to Mowgli. (laughs) No, I mean, Rudyard Kipling, uh, he wrote a fucking poem called The White Man's Burden. If you ever heard the term The White Man's Burden, that's where it comes from. It's fucked up. Yeah, there's there's so much burden as being a white man in uh in that well, time period. Well, the white yeah right. The white man's burden was the burden of having to civilize and educate all these uncultured people, uncultured and uncivilized. But luckily, there's not a lot of that in the Jungle Books. The only really thing I can find in there, there is kind of this attitude of like. English culture being better than Indian culture that like they won't let people just kill people for being a witch and stuff and but it's got the, this kind of condes- see, condescending sneer the, to the, it. Like, is like what is he talking about because just take the English people that went over to you know the Americas who were burning witches left and right. Well that was America. This is but well, I mean, regardless we're all not, I'm not going to sit here and it's, defend the fucking racist dudes racist shit. Fuck Rudyard Kipling and his racist ass. Luckily, a lot of that's not in the Jungle Book, because the Jungle Books are fucking awesome. I enjoy them. They're very good literature. You can't confuse the art with the artist, man. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. But uh, one thing he did have going for him, he actually was the first English-language writer to win the Nobel Prize in literature. Ah. He's like, thank you. I always knew I was better than everybody else. Mm, yes, every time I talk, that just that, that just accompanies my voice. <laughs> you know, back. Just wait till I go tell all my buddies back at the Freemason Lodge. <laughs> I was, won the Nobel Prize. What have you done lately? I was gonna tell you to do George the, the Washington Cockney accent for him, but I like this. Mm, yes, I'm better than those savage Cockneys, <laughs> especially kind of the fact that I have to, and... I have to I have to rub. You know, mm, yes, I'm rubbing my coattails. Yeah, I like the t-shirt. I like your new t-shirt you got under mm, there. That's yes, fucking... yes, I'm not going to tell no, you No, not Rudyard Kipling, <laughs> Craig. I like Craig's t-shirt. That's pretty dope, dude. Yeah, even though nobody can see it. Yeah, no one knows what I'm talking about. They're just like... <laughs> I'll imagine. just say it's a certain, certain hero. All I'm going to say is uh, Miles Scott is on it. That he is. Standing heroically over the city. 
Yeah, with the Miles Scott symbol in the background cast against a gray, cloudy night sky. Yeah, it's a nice back. So the Jungle Books were basically a collection of short stories written by Rudyard Kipling that were originally published in magazines. Mad Magazine? No, not Mad Magazine. Ah, uh, it was... ah Better Home and Gardens. The second Jungle right. Book was pretty much the same thing. It all was basically the late 1800s, 1893 to 1895. Not all of the short stories are about Mowgli. A lot of them are about just random animals. Ricky Tikki Tavi. But different. Yeah, Ricky Tikki Tavi, if Fuck you're familiar yeah. with that, was part of the Jungle Books. Yeah, Mongoose. Yeah. Yeah. Fought some snakes. The, yeah, dude, they're really brutal. Like, are, these books are really intense. Like, man. are they like, really that different from uh, the the Disney movie? The Like, are they contrasted yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, the Disney movie's a great movie. I'm not putting it down. I mean, there was in, some intense moments there, but that was very light No, these books are way different. Um, that is only the first set of Mowgli stories, and there's more beyond that. And the story is very different in and of itself, but we'll get into that in a minute. I mean, dude, like, in the second story you read after the initial Mowgli stories that, like, the Disney movie is based on, it's about a baby seal, a white seal. There's some undertones there that this white seal is special and better than the rest. Not to be confused he with He sees what happens when seal. he's the only seal that follows to see what happens when men start hurting the baby seals. And it's graphically described. These baby seals completely getting their heads bashed in, their skulls beaten in they're Yeesh. skinned alive like to- dude it's fucked up it's horrifying yeah. he's traumatized and horrified and so are you as a reader like Poor it's baby some seals. straight up fucking Negan shit dude they don't like, no they don't deserve that oh, it's baby horrible, but yeah these books are pretty pretty serious Mowgli is not just some little kid what is that Frank he's Miller he's a straight G dude yeah like <laughs> that fucking seal one was written by Frank Miller Frank Miller's The Jungle Books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see it now. The Cub Scouts have actually adapted a bunch of terms from The Jungle Books, like uh, Pack, Law of the Pack, Grand Howl, Den, Aquila. Those are all adapted from the Mowgli stories. Unfortunately, Rudyard Kipling actually did admit to stealing from a bunch of other works, and... He's, he even said that he suspected he had subconsciously no stolen from works he didn't realize he was stealing from. Oh, he accidentally stole. He accidentally <laughs> Just in case anyone finds any that I haven't already that haven't already been pointed out. There might be a chance that it's not my original work. But as the case may be, whatever. I like the finished product. I enjoy it. I'm a big Jungle Books fan. Fuck Rudyard Kipling. He's a douche. Boosh. So let's get into the uh, whole story of Mowgli. You know, if, if, if you're only familiar with the Disney film, this is going to be a real eye-opener. Pretty dope. Like me. Like you, Craig. You're pretty dope, too. Can I sing the song Oh, you time? mean like you're not familiar with the... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mowgli's a G, you say. So he was all like, Yo, son, yo, son, yo, I be popping in them 20s, man, rolling down the street, you know, making that paper, getting some straight cheddar, yo. Whoever the fuck that saying? dude is, he does not sound like a straight G. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I got to pay for all these G's. <laughs> and no. I bought these car parts, you know, I was trying to. Craig. No, that's not how Mowgli talks at all. Um, Mowgli. Well, I mean, being a G, you'd think. 
No, dude, Mowgli. Ma- okay, you want to know how Mowgli talks? He's like, all right. Here's an example of some Mowgli dialogue. Good. I see that ye are dogs. I go from you to my own people, if they be my own people. The jungle is shut to me, and I must forget your talk and your companionship. But I will be more merciful than ye are. Because I was all but your brother in blood, I promise that when I am a man among men, I will not betray ye to men as ye have betrayed me. There shall be no war between any of us in the pack. But here is a debt to pay before I go. And then to Shere Khan. Up, dog! Up when a man speaks, or I will set that coat ablaze. This cattle killer said that he would kill me in the council because he had not killed me when I was a cub. Thus and thus, then, do we beat dogs when we are men. Stir a whisker, Lungri, and I ram the red flower down thy gullet. Singe jungle cat, go now, but remember when next I come to Council Rock, as a man should come, it will be with Shere Khan's hide on my head. For the rest, Akila goes free to live as he pleases. Ye will not kill him, because that is not my will. Nor do I think that ye will sit here any longer, lolling out your tongues as though ye were somebody's, instead of dogs whom I drive out. Thus, go! Wow. So, uh... That was like more Tony Soprano, like a good comparison. Yeah, he he runs this shit. Like he's he's very stubborn, very boss, very yeah. long winded. He's got a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, yes. The dude, the dialogue in this book is straight fucking biblical. Like that's the only, it's it's awesome. I love it. I love the way they talk to each other. It's fucking cool, dude. So let's just get into the story of Mowgli then. Do perhaps. But before we can tell the story of Mowgli, we need to tell the story of the prize fighter Inferno. <laughs> no, that's like two people got that joke. Uh, before but we they tell the story it. of they really yeah, the two people are gonna fucking dig it. Uh, before we tell the story of Mowgli, we gotta tell the story of the jungle itself. So according to Hathi, the elephant, the king of the jungle, if you will, Tarzan. No, the elephant. In, in in Jungle Book world, it's pretty much agreed that like you don't fuck with Hathi. Hathi is the king of the jungle. The elephant is the king of the Indian he jungle. He doesn't like rule over it. He doesn't preside over it like a monarch. But okay. According to him, the first of the elephants was named Tha, and was the lord of the jungle. Tha actually created the jungles, like you know, stomping out the rivers and all that shit. Oh, so he's like their god. In the sense that he jungle. created the jungle. But he, he didn't create the world. Like, he wasn't actually God. He was just a big-ass elephant. Uh, at first, all the peoples of the jungle lived King in... King elephant. Yeah. Um, all the peoples of the jungle lived in peace. But eventually, they became lazy and greedy and protective of their food, and disputes began. So Tha wasn't able to just be everywhere at once and preside over everything, you know? So he made the first of the tigers the master and judge of the jungle. The tigers? The, the first of the tigers, he was as big as Tha. So it was like saber-toothed tiger style. And, but he only, they only ate plants, and he was also just pure orange in color. The, the tiger only ate plants? Yeah. No, everyone only ate plants back then. Huh. So eventually there was a dispute between two bucks, and they were fighting. Over plants? Probably. Or maybe a mate. Probably a mate, more likely. Uh, the tiger came up and tried to settle the shit. 
and one of the bucks, forgetting in anger that the tiger was the master and judge of the jungle, attacked the tiger. And the tiger lashed out and killed the buck. Why? You dumb buck. <laughs> you dumb <laughs> buck. You dumb buck. That is a tiger. You stupid man, Jude. Uh, that was the first death that had ever occurred in the jungle. And uh, the tiger, after seeing what he had done and being made mad by the scent of blood, which is something that happens to animals, it's an ongoing theme that the, the scent of blood makes them irrational. And not mad like completely batshit crazy, but irrational, you know. They get angry. They, that, they got a thirst now. <laughs> well, seeing what he'd done, he fled the jungle in shame. Oh, wrong kind of thirst. I was thinking he was just going to start <laughs> killing everything. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he, he ran away. And the entire jungle was pretty much made mad and irrational by the scent of blood. So when Tha came back and was like, dude, who I demand to know who killed this buck, the people refused to tell him who it was. So Tha asked... They, the, first off, they aren't people. Well, they are people. They're not humans. Aren't people humans? Nah, people are thinking creatures that have a society and culture the different peoples of the jungle the wolves the, the monkeys okay the it's bears. just this is just all weird to me to hear this to hear you talking about people and thinking of like monkeys people doesn't mean human though yeah but you know to me it does <laughs> <laughs> what about like what about elves what about they're out what about um i don't know that girl from mass effect aliens yeah they're people you don't consider them. You don't consider elves people. They're they're elves. Any please block any incoming messages from elven email addresses <laughs> as spam. Craig, come on, man. You don't. You really don't. You don't consider like. I mean, I just always thought you think of people? like. Well, they're not. I, I guess elven. I mean, it's they're more. Okay, for starters, elves are more humanoid than say. Uh, which is why Gazelle. I went there, somewhere that you could relate. So you could see what I mean. That, but elves aren't human. Right. You don't have to be human to be people. Humanoid. Though, Animals like are people, more. too. That should be a slogan of Fairplay. <laughs> Animals are people, too, damn it. <laughs> Stop killing the people. But we're getting way off track. Not getting any answers from the people of the jungle. Uh, Hathi asked the trees themselves to mark the killer for him. Apparently I'm speciesist. Specious would be the Specious. proper term. Uh, so well, Thaw, whatever, I'm an, I'm an ignorant speciesist, so... Thought turned to the people of the jungle and asked them, all right, well, who's going to step up and take Tiger's place as ruler of the jungle? And the gray ape took the position. Oh, gray ape? No way. I love Not that the guy. the gray ape, no. The gray ape. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as you know, the gray ape was rather foolish, so he put on a wise face for a while and eventually just started acting a fool and uh there was no law in the jungle eventually yeah it's kind of like uh so Tha returned <laughs> and said that the first master brought death into the jungle and the second shame and now the jungle people shall know what fear is so they all asked what fear was and he told them to seek until they found it so the people of the jungle did as they were told and seeked until eventually the buffaloes were the ones who found fear. What is fear. this fear thing? What, well, you, what is this fear you speak of? For that, you'd have to ask the buffaloes, Craig. And the buffaloes came back with word of fear, that they found fear standing at the mouth of a cave, hairless and standing on two legs. And when he saw them coming, he cried out, 
and all the people of the jungle fled. And that night they didn't lie down together, as oh. was generally their custom. It was the White Walkers. Game of Thrones. Um, but that night they didn't all lie together, as they had up until that point. All the different animals went off to be with their own species, their own kind. That they became they specious. They became little Rudyard Kiplings. <laughs> Jungle Kipling. So the first tiger got word of this, and he decided he was going to go find this fear fellow. Hmm. I hear he's got a little. He's got something going on. I think I might want to go check out what what uh, this fear like, guy's yeah. got. This guy over here. So as he was traveling through, boy, the, I hear you're looking for me. As he was traveling through the jungle, he was marked by the trees, which marked black stripes on him. When he found fear, the hairless one called him the striped one that comes by night, and the tiger ran scared from the cave. That's how the tiger got his stripes. Yes, he was marked by the trees, as Hathi asked them, because he knew the trees must have saw who killed the buck, so... The really dumb buck. <laughs> that dumb buck. Well, Tiger returned and asked for his position back, <laughs> but Tha knew that he killed the buck because of the stripes, and he told him that because he brought fear into the jungle, now all the people fear each other, and that they would fear him, too. And Tiger maintained that, nah, dude, everybody knows me. It's me, Tiger. Everyone's known me from the start. I've been here from the beginning. They're not going to be afraid of me. Except for the last five years when they were looking for fear. <laughs> but they know, you know, they've known him from the start. So, and Hathi's like, yeah, check it out. So he went and visited the animals in the jungle and saw that it wasn't so. They did fear him. And uh, that wasn't cool. <laughs> He's like, you want to fear me? Fine, see? But Thad did Tiger a solid since they go way back. And uh, he told him that one night a year... It shall be the way it was before the first buck died. And that if Tiger comes across fear, fear will instead fear him. And that the tiger should show him mercy, having tasted fear himself. So fear is a people. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not going to let this one go. And one night, Tiger met fear at his cave. And he struck him down, breaking his back, thinking that he was the only one of his kind. Tha was fucking pissed. Asking Tiger if that was what he called mercy... Tiger was pretty much like, who cares? What does it matter? I, I, killed, I killed fear. fear. And Tha I was, saved you guys. Saved everybody. Don't worry. We don't have to fear nothing. <laughs> but fear itself. Well, we don't even have to fear that no, anymore. No, he's dead. Fear's dead. <laughs> nah, he's dead. You're good, dude. But Tha was like, you dumb shit. You, you just taught man buck. to quit. You just taught man to kill, you dipshit. So, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan, your ass. Fear was man. So, yes, fear was people. What, what, what? It's people! Soylent fear is people! <laughs> and Tiger was all like, whatever, I killed fear. Now I'm going to be master of the jungle again, and the people are going <laughs> to follow me, and it's all going to be cool. Yo, because I'm a G, man. You know what I'm saying? You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? I killed that fear, man. Y'all, I just popped him two, three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Thaw was all like, Never again shall the jungle people come to thee. They shall never cross thy trail, nor sleep near thee, nor follow after thee, nor browse by thy lair. Only fear shall follow thee, and with a blow that thou canst not see, he shall bid thee wait his pleasure. He shall make the ground to open under thy feet, and the creeper to twist about thy neck, and the tree trunks to grow together about thee higher than thou canst leap. And at the last he shall take thy hide to wrap his cubs when they are cold, Thou hast shown him no mercy, and none will he show thee. Yeah, but like you said, Tiger was a straight G, so he was just like, so your word him, son, you want to come to my house, son? <laughs> Y'all, I'm packing, son. 
yeah, but yo, but your word is bond, son. So I get my one night, right? I get my one night a year, son, because word is bond, you know? So Tha was all like, the one night is thine, as I have said, but there is a price to pay. Thou hast taught man to kill, and he is no slow learner. Um, what? You say he's gonna learn? <laughs> <laughs> What's this learning <laughs> shit? It don't what the sound fuck are you fun. talking about? It don't what? sound fun at all. Well, great news. Here at Fairpoint Podcast, we make learning fun. Tell your friends. Well, man, eventually... You're a corporate shill. <laughs> corporate shill. <laughs> hey, corporations are people, too. <laughs> Sitting here giving me shit because I'm saying animals are people. At least I'm not saying corporations are fucking people. So man eventually learned to strike from far away using pointed sticks. And with those pointed sticks, they struck the tiger, and he knew that it was so that man could hurt him, strike where he couldn't see. He's like, yo, it's not fair, using sticks! (laughs) So now it is as it is, and man has much more weapons and control over the red flower, which you may know from the Disney movie is fire. And one night a year, man fears the tiger. And uh, remembering the shame of their original ancestor, the tiger strikes down man. So is this is this where Mowgli comes into play? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get to the modern day. By modern day, I mean the late eighteen hundreds. Super modern. So modern. <laughs> Steampunk Morgan Freeman modern. Fucking David Bowie modern. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's futuristic spaceman, if you will. So Father Wolf and Raksha or Mother Wolf, if you will, of the C&E pack, are in their den with their family one night, with their cubs, you know, are in their den with their family of cubs one night, when they're visited by Tabaki the Jackal, scoundrel and oh, I don't like consort of, of Shere Khan. He, he comes to inform them that Shere Khan is about, in their territory, in this branch of the woods, if you will, hunting man. Shere Khan, uh, also called Lungri, which means the lame one, because he is lame in one foot is, as you probably know, a, a badass tiger. The name actually means Tiger King. Yeah, well, Khan is a king, right? Yes. He has attacked the man village, and a woman there named Mesua has lost her child, Nathu, in the chaos. The baby man-cub winds up at the den of Father Wolf and Raksha, and they take the baby in. And eventually, Shere Khan shows up looking for the baby, and they refuse to give him up when he demands it. So, like, the baby just crawled to the door? The jungle, stuff. yeah, it escaped into the jungle in the chaos. Mother Wolf, Mother Wolf, you must come see this. This is remarkable. A human boy cub has come come sat on a doorstep. They didn't have doorsteps. They lived in a cave. A cave step. A cave. <laughs> a cave they didn't have steps at all, Craig. You don't know that. I do know that. I read the book. A cave, Matt. So they named the child Mowgli, meaning the frog, because... It was, it was a hairless. mat that says, wipe your paws. All right. And eventually they put up a boot beware of guard man. Mowgli, of course, doesn't actually mean anything in any actual language. It's the language of the jungle. The tongue of the jungle, if you will. Rolls off the tongue. Mowgli. Later, at the wolf pack's meeting up at Council Rock, uh, Shere Khan shows up and he demands that the man cub be given to him, that it's his right because it was his kill on his one night a year when he can kill man. Yeah, well, that night a year has passed now. I mean, it's, you know how long it takes to organize everybody at the council? Well, it's basically animal court. He's he's <laughs> suing. He's saying, it was my right to kill this cub. They had no right to, dun, dun, to dun. withhold this cub from me. The defendant. Share No, it's the plaintiff. Yeah, the plaintiff. Share Khan. 
He claims that the CD pack wrongfully withheld his rightful kill from him on his one night a year. The plaintiff. No, the defendant. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Raksha, mother wolf. She claims the child was hers to raise and that he has no right and that he is part of the pack and, you know, all that shit. So, Akila, the leader of the c Wolf Pack... Now, mind you, a pack isn't just a family of wolves. It's, it's all the family of wolves in this area. Okay. So, Raksha and Father Wolf got their, their little family, and the pack is when all the families come to meet. Right. And Akila is the leader of this whole pack. And he basically says that the law states that if two people, other than his family, will speak for him, then a wolf is admitted into the pack. So, if two people speak for Mowgli, then he's part of the pack and they won't give him up. Otherwise, now he's, he's, he shares officially a wolf. So basically, right? um, also present at the pack was Baloo. Baloo's the old sloth bear, and he serves as teacher to the young cubs of the CNE pack. Baloo See, is so cool. He is. And um, he's different in the books than he is. He's not as carefree in the books. He's much more stern. He's a teacher. He teaches the young wolves the, the different tongues of the jungle, you know, the different laws of the jungle, and how to how to survive and everything. Obviously, their father and mother take part in that, too. But he that's his role in the community. See, he comes and speaks for Mowgli. He says, I'll speak for the man cub. I say he's part of the pack. He has every right to be. And they're like, well, that's one. We need someone else. And this is when Bagheera the panther approaches. Now, Bagheera was born in captivity in the menagerie of the Raja, or king, of Udaipur in India. Okay, so no reason to like man. And he, he's very familiar with man. This is one of the reasons why he speaks for him. Now, nobody knows this, though. Bagheera basically lived, grew up in captivity, and after his mother died, fell into kind of a depression and eventually realized, dude, I'm a big, strong, powerful panther. Hear me roar. And, uh, roar. <laughs> and broke the lock in his cage and escaped into the jungle. But once there, he kept the secret of his captivity as such, a secret. And it's like, oh, you're a new panther? Yeah, just, uh, I just moved from Budapest. Yeah, he he only ever revealed that secret to Mowgli later on. But he shows up and he speaks for Mowgli and basically buys his life with a freshly killed bull because he has no place in the council meeting. For that matter, neither does Shere Khan. But Shere Khan's coming with a, you know what I mean, with a request of them, with a demand of them that they've taken something that rightfully belongs to him. So that's why he's there. Baloo is... More or less, he's not part of the pack, but he is an accomplice of the pack. He is their teacher, you know. So yeah. he he's always at the council meetings. Bagheera shows up. He he has no so rightful this is place. A meeting for the wolves. Yes, and it's not sh- all the jungle animals. No, no, no. It's the wolf meeting, and and Shere Khan showed up to demand Mowgli, and Bagheera showed up to speak for Mowgli, and he buys his life with a freshly killed bull. Wouldn't you think, being born in the captivity, he wouldn't really like man so much? I guess that's a fair point. As as we all probably guess, Mowgli is raised by the wolf pack and taught by Baloo and Bagheera. And they teach him all the different languages of all the people of the jungle because all the different animals speak their own languages. Um, it's it's treated very realistic. Except for the, the bears speak the same language it's, as... Well, Baloo, Baloo knows a lot of the languages. He's teaching them to Mowgli. Okay, so it's, it's, not, it's not like Toy Story or something. It's not like when people aren't looking, animals talk to each other. It's, that the diff- it's, it's very realistic in the sense that the different peoples and creatures of Earth have different speak languages. to each other in their own way. 
So they teach him these languages so he'll be able to protect himself. So he can say, like, a, lo- a big common, like, greeting is, like, we are of one blood, ye and I. So if he, if he falls into a pit of vipers, he's going to say in the viper tongue as fast as he can, we are of one blood, ye and I. We are of one blood, blood ye and I. You know, I, I don't mean you any harm. Please don't That's hurt me. That's basically what, like, I come in peace. Yeah, like a- yeah. So one day during lessons, Baloo hits Mowgli for not paying attention. And Mowgli gets all pissy and runs off in a tantrum. Like a whiny little brat. So Bagheera comes and talks Mowgli down, and Mowgli reveals that he has been seeing the Bandar Log. The Bandar Log are the monkey people. I so thought it was going to be a new hip band. <laughs> the Bandar Log. He's been seeing them. He's like, yeah, dude, me and the Bandar Log totally know each other. And Bagheera's like, no way. I got backstage oh my passes. God, can you get me? Oh, my God. Can you get me in to meet them? They're my favorite. So... The Bandar Log do not have a good reputation in the jungle. And Baloo and Bagheera are pissed to hear this. And he tells them that they they promised to make him their leader. And that they think he's cool. And they don't hit him. They think he's the shit. And they're going to make him their leader. And Yeah, and, I'm going to rule the monkeys. Yeah, and Baloo and Bagheera are like, no, dude. They're liars. They're ignorant, boastful bastards. They have no leaders. They have no laws. Stay away from them. Oh, so they're the wild cards of the jungle. Yeah. The Disney version, do you remember in the Disney version they wanted to be like man? Yeah. It's actually very commonly accused of being racist. And I think this is actually one of the few occasions where I don't think Disney had racist intentions. There was a lot of racist shit in Dumbo and a few other movies. Right. But, like, I think a lot of it stems from the misinterpretation that Louis Armstrong voiced King Louis. That wasn't the case. Louis Prima voiced King Louis, and Louis Prima was a white guy. And there was no subcontext of black people being monkeys and wanting to be like white people and wanting to be men. Oh. It was it was very straightforward based on the book. I think it makes sense that monkeys would aspire to want to be like man and try to act like they were bigger well, than I they mean, are. Well, I mean, that's the and, yeah. natural evolution was monkey to man. Totally. It, it makes sense. I don't think, and I honestly, I don't think that Rudyard Kipling had racist intentions there either. And I, I'm not defending, he was a racist motherfucker and Disney's done some racist shit. Like, well, I don't think that... The, Disney might have. They're like, well, we're going to make him act stereotypically... Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of that came from, oh, they're doing scat jazz and everything. Yeah. But the whole Jungle Book soundtrack was jazz-oriented. It was a product of its times, and it's a beautiful soundtrack. And like I said, the musician who spoke him was white. I don't think there was any malicious intent. And you know what? If there was, I don't fucking speak for Disney, dude. Fuck them if there was. Anyway, (laughs) shortly after this conversation, Mowgli is abducted by the monkeys and they take him to the Cold Lairs, which is an abandoned ancient human city, which is pretty much toppled, fallen apart, overgrown with jungle, and the monkeys chill there a lot. On the way, Mowgli sees Chill, the kite, not to be confused with Chill, the act that monkeys do in the Cold Lairs, um, and he calls to him in his language to find Baloo and Bagheera and tell them what's happened. Send help, please, you know? Good thing he was listening in class. Right? Learn languages. These books do have a lot of good lessons to teach children, like, and that was that was intentionally incorporated into the storylines. Um, so Baloo and Bagheera go to Ka, the python, knowing that he is the only one in the jungle that the Bandar Log feel. Fear. <laughs> he's the only one in the jungle that they feel. They're like, yo, we feel in you, Ka. <laughs> yeah. Yo, all right. Yo, it's uh, your boy. It's your boy. Yo, right, it's your right. boy, Ka. We feel you. We feel you. We'll let you go. 
This is a big divergent point from the Disney movie and the books. Do you remember Ka the Python in yes. the Disney movie? It was Shere Khan's uh, ally. Yeah, not at all in the books. Do you know who did his voice? No, no. It was Winnie the Pooh. Once you realize wow, that. Wow, Winnie. Once you realize I thought Winnie that, the you'll Pooh never only had it. his, you know, only, he only had starred in his own. When you hear him talking. I can't do the impression. When you hear him talking, though, it's like, oh my God, this is Petto Bear. You, you say. No, but you say you say it was the vo- it was Winnie the Pooh. You didn't say it was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, it was, yeah, <laughs> I'm Winnie. sitting there thinking like Winnie the Pooh's like, oh bother. Christopher Where Robin I... brought him to the studio and he recorded. The Thank you for driving me, Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this audition for years. Oh bother! I hope there's honey in the reward. <laughs> honey, 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 tastes so good in me tummy. In the books, Ka was not a bad guy like he was in the movie. He had nothing to do with Shere Khan. Dude did not fucks with Shere Khan. He's like, yo, fuck that dude. He don't feel me. You know At what I'm saying? At the same time, he was a dangerous character. He was. Uh, you didn't. You didn't want to fucks around with with Ka. Baloo and Bagheera even were a little nervous to approach him. But they knew that he was the only one that the Bandar Log feared because he could slither up into the trees and eat them while they were sleeping and no one else in the jungle. I guess Bagheera could. I don't fucking know. But but they weren't afraid of Bagheera because Ka is a motherfucker. They couldn't do shit to Ka. So Bagheera kind of instigates by insinuating that he heard the Bandar Log talking shit about Ka. And so he goads Ka into coming and helping them. The three of them... He's like, oh, they done fucked up now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was what? something like yellow-bellied earthworm. Like they were, he was like, they, "Yo, dude, they was going in on you Bull. with your busted-ass rattle and shit." And he's like, "I'm not even a rattlesnake." And they're like, "Yo, I didn't say it. Don't <laughs> don't shoot the messenger." So the three of them raid and attack the cold lairs, fucking up some monkeys. And Ka eventually does his hunger dance, hypnotizing the monkeys so that they can't run away. And he's totally going to eat them. <laughs> yeah. Kai just starts eating monkeys. Oh, it's not on screen. Baloo and Bagheera are actually also, like, almost hypnotized, but Mowgli snaps them out of it because he's man and it doesn't affect him. And he's like, yo, what's the snake doing? Yeah, the dance, he, he's, like, twisting. It's, it's like, not with his eyes. Like, in the Disney movie, he's twisting his body into different shapes and patterns and moving gracefully, and it's hypnotizing to the eye. So all this time, Shere Khan has been corrupting the wolves of the CNE pack, convincing them to turn on and kill Akela, their leader, and to give Mowgli to him. Eventually, Bagheera tells Mowgli about this plan, and Mowgli, being the only one in the jungle not afraid of the red flower, which is fire if you right. will remember, sneaks into town and steals a pot of coals and brings it with him to the next meeting at Council Rock. Shere Khan shows up that night with a bunch of the wolves on his side, demanding that Akela be killed and the man cub be given to him. Mowgli attacks Shere Khan with a burning branch. This is the segment that that uh, part, piece of dialogue that I read earlier comes from. Of course. And he swears that he will one day kill Shere Khan and leave his hide on Council Rock. He also swears to the wolves, as we said earlier, that he won't betray them, but that he is done with them. So him, his family, you know, Father Wolf, Raksha, and his four brothers... They move out to the city. No. Um, he become, and, yeah, he becomes an architect. No, but Mo- Mowgli and his family, and Baloo, Bagheera, and Akila, they all stay by his side. And he comes to learn that 
it's time to leave the jungle. He has to return to humanity. He doesn't want to, but... Now, did Baloo manage to teach him the language of the humans? No, Baloo doesn't know the language of man. Mowgli doesn't know the language of man. No, none. So he's just going to go to human land and be like, start speaking all different well, animal his, noises? he can't. The jungle's shut to him. The, his, his pack has turned on him. Shere Khan wants him dead. He's got to leave. He's got no other choice at this point. And he's got to go back to his people. So Mowgli travels to a near village, where he's adopted by Mesua, wife of the richest man in town, who rightfully believes him to be her long-lost son, Nathu. And there Mowgli stays for three months, learning the ways of the humans and generally having trouble acclimating to life there. Is he a quick learner? No. It, it's, tr- it's tough for him. He doesn't... Mankind is just so much bullshit. Like, like life in the jungle is so simple and straightforward, and now he's got to deal with all this shit. He's what very, the fuck are taxes? <laughs> very, very disrespectful of the village elders. They all claim to know stories about the jungle, and they sit around smoking their tobacco. Like, you don't know. Yeah, and you he's don't just know. Like, that's not at all what it that's is. Not, I live this, man. <laughs> I live this shit. You talk about it. I live it. Uh, that This attitude earns him the contempt of the chief hunter, Boldeo. Claims that Shere Khan was a reincarnation of a lame moneylender. And that's why he was reborn as a lame tiger. And Mowgli's like, bullshit, he's just a pussy-ass fucking tiger. (laughs) So Mowgli's put to work in the village herding buffalo. And during this time, Mowgli regularly sneaks to the border of the jungle and meets with Grey Brother, who's the eldest of his four brothers, his wolf brothers. Grey Brother informs him the news of the jungle. Eventually, one night, he tells him that Shere Khan has returned and is planning to kill Mowgli. So they plan for a few weeks... And eventually, Grey Wolf comes back with news that he has just killed Tabaki, the jackal. But before killing him, he got word out of him that Shere Khan is hiding in a ravine in preparation to attack that night. Oh, because it's that night every year. Must be, yeah. So Mowgli, Grey Brother, and Akila, the leader of the wolf pack, uh, divide the buffalo herd into two separate groups and stampede them into the ravine from opposite directions, trapping the tiger between them. So the tiger's trapped down in this ravine. It's too high for him to jump. There's stampedes of buffalo coming from both sides. They trample him. They kill the fuck out of Shere Khan. He's like, shit, shit, shit. Shit, fucking shit. I hate buffalo. Shit. Shit, shit. This is not going to my plan. So Mowgli, once, once it's all, you know, the, the dust is cleared, sits down and starts skinning the tiger so he can fulfill his promise of leaving the hide on Council Rock. Like I said, Mowgli's a badass, and at this point, he's been given a hunting knife. Yeah, they're very handy. I got one in the car. Baldeo, as you may remember, was the chief hunter. He's learned of the stampede and comes to figure out what the fuck happened and chastise Mowgli, who was left in charge. He demands, once he sees the dead tiger that's been being hunted for killing man, that Mowgli hand him the skin so that he can return and take the reward. Take credit for it? Yeah, he's like, you've taken shit, boy. My tiger, man. I am not going to let you give this to the wolves. Like, come on, man. So he's just like, the fuck are you? Give me the skin. I'm going back and getting the reward. What the fuck are you doing with your fucking cattle? Learn to do your job, boy. Mowgli's not having any of this disrespect, so he refuses to give him the skin has Aquila attack Baldeo, restraining him and preventing him from hurting Mowgli. He doesn't kill him or anything. Right. And takes the skin. So Baldeo comes to the conclusion that Mowgli is a demon, and when he returns to the village, he pretty much turns the tale into an account of he killed the tiger, 
And then Mowgli showed up and turned into a wolf and attacked him. So when Mowgli returns to the village, he finds that the entire village has turned against him, believing him to be an evil sorcerer. And the only exception is Mesua, his mother. She, she believes him. So with that, he flees, leaves to Council Rock. I wouldn't say he flees. He's like, fuck this, I'm out. Uh, goes to Council Rock. Going back to live my old dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it is great, too, because Mesua's husband, who may or may not be his actual father, no paternal fucking uh, warmth. Just fuck this kid, dude. Yeah, he's like, fuck yeah. you. You're not my real dad. I don't even care if you are my real dad. My real dad's a wolf. <laughs> but he, he takes Shere Khan's hide back to Council Rock as he said he would. And there, the c and pack offers to take him back, but he refuses to forgive them and announces that from that point on, he will hunt alone, only with his four brothers. Baloo. No, no, Baloo. No, his brothers are... Gray brother and his other wolf brothers, the the cubs that he was oh, raised alongside. Oh, okay. I thought you're. Yeah. No, Baloo. He's still. He, oh, he's. Friends. Oh, yeah. He's still cool they with Baloo. Just down. Yeah, he's still cool okay. with Baloo and Bagheera. They, they, they were his real. teachers. They were his mentors. Yeah, Baloo's his Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, he's still cool with his father, his mother, his brothers, Baloo, Bagheera, Akila, and Ka. Okay. Well, obviously, Ka saved him from the monkeys. So Akila informs Mowgli that Baldeo is preparing to hunt him. Gray Brother suggests that they kill him. Let's kill him. Get it over with. He ain't no threat. And Mowgli forbids it. He's not going to have any death. He smelled blood when they hurt Mesua, and he won't smell it again. He's not going to have anybody hurt anyone. Right. He, he doesn't want that to happen. To drive anybody crazy. Yeah. No, no, he, well, he didn't like it. He hated it. He doesn't want any blood to be shed. No. He puts his foot down. Nobody's dying. So along with Bagheera and his wolf friends, Mowgli stalks and spies on Baldeo as he enters the jungle and sets up camp and ends up uh, camping with some charcoal burners that he meets on the road. Mowgli overhears that his human mother Mesua and her husband have been imprisoned and sentenced to death for fostering Mowgli, the evil sorcerer. And he also overhears a story about an elephant that escaped from a trap once and took revenge upon his captors by trampling the entire village huh. destroying the fields all of it and this was in Burtpur however pronounce that so Mowgli has the wolves distract and generally unnerve Boldeo preventing him from returning to the village while Mowgli returns to free his mother Mesua his human mother his biological mother and her husband uh, Mesua loves Mowgli very thankful like I said her husband's a straight dick He's like, fuck this dude, he ain't done shit but brought trouble. Uh, so they set off on foot for Kaniwara, a town about 30 miles away, and they're guarded by Mowgli's wolf mother, Raksha. At a discreet distance, she follows along to make sure nobody fucks with them so they can travel through the jungle safely and not be hurt by the I humans. I was like, you know what? I don't understand why people are saying this jungle walking is dangerous. <laughs> this is a nice little... Oh, they were scared. They were like, we can't walk through the jungle, and Mowgli's like, dude, you're cool. I, I know these people. You're in my you're in my town now. So now the family, the immediate human family, knows that he was a jungle boy. Yeah, which I, I'm, they knew more or less. I'm sure. Uh, Bagheera takes their place in the hut where they were trapped. You know, and he scares the shit out of the villagers when the villagers come to check on them and find a yawning panther. So the next day, 
Mowgli has Bagheera summon Hathi, who you may remember, the king of the jungle. Yes, right. That Big shit game. around here, the elephant and his sons. Uh, Bagheera practically sneers at the idea that Hathi's just going to come at his beck and call. And Mowgli says, no, give him a master word. Tell him to come because of the sack of the fields at Burtpur. And to Bagheera's surprise, he comes. So yeah. Mowgli asks Hathi if he was the elephant in Boldeo's story. And Hathi confirms it, that he was. He fucks some shit up. Mowgli asks him to destroy Boldeo's village as well, but to not kill anybody, to keep it clean. I'm so, going to ask you a favor. So basically what Hathi does is over the next few weeks, ends up driving the plant eaters of the jungle to raid the village. They're, they're, he, this rumor gets spread around that they've found a new feeding ground with tons of plentiful food for everyone, and it leads them all to the village destroys all the crops, eats the crops, tramples the village, the people leave, the elephants show up once the people are gone, and just fucking tear the shit apart. Knock down the buildings, the huts, there's no buildings, but you know what I mean. Knock it all down, fuck that shit up. Within six months, the village is consumed by the jungle. Mowgli's revenge is complete. Yeah, you take that. That's what you get for trying to hunt me. You don't fuck with Mowgli. I am a man! so from that point on Mowgli chills in the jungle hunts with his four brothers by his side and you know regularly consorts with his wolf parents pack leader Akila and his teachers Ka, Baloo, Bagheera Uh, one day he's chilling with Ka Ka's just shed his skin for the 200th time he's a really old motherfucker and Ka takes him to the cold lairs to see an underground cachet of gold is it cachet or cash? a cash an underground cache of gold, silver, precious gems, all that shit. I guess you could say it either way. Yeah, you remember the Cold Lairs was an abandoned man city, so it's right. it's just a lost treasure. Kind of like Atlantis. Well, no, it's 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 just it's above ground. No, it's underground. It's it's not a sunken city though. It's it's just one little horde in a city, and the horde is guarded by White Hood, a blind old albino cobra. He's been underground all this time. He's blind and albino. And he guards the treasure, believing that he's still doing his duty to the human city and the king. But the city's no longer operational. And Mowgli tells him this, but he insists, you know. And Mowgli's not impressed because all this man treasure is worthless and that city's gone and this cobra's wasting his time. Oh, so Mowgli doesn't want the treasure. He's just trying to tell this cobra what you're doing is pointless, bro. He's like, this booty-ass treasure. (laughs) He's like, yo, it's pointless, brah. All this, like, all that stuff means nothing to him. He grew up in the jungle. What is gold and gems? They're fucking rocks. We can find them all over the place. Uh, but he does see one thing that catches his eye. An elephant goad, which is also known as an ankus. Ankus, whatever. Um, do you know what that is? It's, it's like a tool that would be used to herd and train elephants. It hurt them. It had a, a hook on it that, like, they would use to, like, make it behave a certain way. Make it do what they wanted it to do. And this was an ankus just decked in jewels. It was it was beautiful craftsmanship. It had ornate carvings into the sides of it. And Mowgli was just captivated by it. And he asked the White Hood if he could have it. And the White Hood threatened to kill him. Because he's like, you're not taking any of this treasure. But Mowgli got the better of him. He's like, you don't fuck with Mowgli. <laughs> Yo, um, yeah. And what do you you think you think you like you think you have like appendages or something? <laughs> Dude, you don't fuck with cobras. They're they're known as like I don't remember what they're known as, but they're the poison people, like the poison folk. Like and they can kill you. <laughs> Got with nothing one on Mowgli though. 
Mowgli pins, he grabs the elephant goat and pins him to the ground with it and realizes that his fangs are all dried up and worthless from being underground and not using them. Oh, so he's not even like He doesn't even have any anymore. venom. It's like, he, you're yeah. pathetic. Exactly, dude. That is the exact you are. You might as well be sterile. He starts, he calls him names. He names him Thu, which basically means it has dried up is what it's literally translated yeah, to. Yeah, it means you have no more. See, he literally like gives him a name, calls him bitch boy and is like, fuck you. So basically, the deal is Mowgli's taking this shit. There ain't no two ways about it. The, the white cobra warns him that the Ankus is death and that death follows it. Dun, dun, dun. So Mowgli takes the Ankus and leaves with Ka, shows it to Bagheera. And Bagheera, knowing from his experience being captive by man, confirms that Thu was correct. This thing is death. Uh, Mowgli like, decides beautiful. if Bagheera says it's so... I, I trust Bagheera. I'm going to get rid of this. i got to do the right thing. So he throws it away, goes up in a tree, takes a nap. That In the jungle, people sleep whenever they want. And they sleep for a long time because they sleep whenever the fuck they want. And they'll stay up for a long time, too. Because so, they sleep whenever the fuck they want. So Mowgli throws it away, takes a nap, and when he wakes up, changes his mind. It's kind of like when you're like, dude, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. You know what? Tomorrow, I I'm not smoking cigarettes. And then you wake up and you're like, I want I'm going to smoke a I cigarette. <laughs> And he wakes up and he's like, nah, you know what? I think I want that Ankus, dude. It was pretty cool. Why did I throw it away? Well, you know what? We're in the middle of the jungle. Nobody, nobody took it. Like, nobody gives a shit about that stuff around here. I'm going to go find it. So he goes down and goes to where he threw it, and it's gone. And he can't find it. And he's like, oh, fuck. It's probably the monkeys. I'm, I'm interested in this Anka here. Anka, Anka shame. Jeweled Anka shame. Bring nothing. But fear and pain. <laughs> so, w- along with Bagheera, Mowgli follows the trail of the man who took it. And basically, they follow trail after trail of dead body after dead body. Each person killed for the Ankus. Somebody took it, and then someone came along and killed them and took it. Envy. Eventually, they find it, and Mowgli returns the Ankus to the treasury in the cold lairs, seeing that Thu was right. You're right. So eventually, Akila, he's getting really old, and he gives leadership of the pack over to Fao, son of Fanoa, who used to be Akila's dude back in the day. He was one of the big chief hunters in their pack. Eventually, a lone wolf known as Wantala arrives at Council Rock to let the CNE pack know that the Dole, a red dog that travels in packs of thousands and uses up like all the resources wherever they go, you know. The red pack. The red dogs, uh, that they're on their way. They've they've come into the, this neck of the woods and they're coming. So the C and E pack should probably flee before you know find somewhere else because they're coming. They've already killed Wantala's mate and his cubs. Wantala was a wolf that didn't belong to a pack. He and his family lived on the outskirts on their own in the jungle. They didn't report to a pack, and now he's just a lone wolf with no one. Mowgli, though, is like, nah, you, you must not know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know, we I, don't I'm, run. I ain't never I'm scared. Mowgli, so. So he insists they stay and fight, and he vows to stand beside the pack, even though the, he was once betrayed by them. He so, said he would never betray them. Yep, and he comes back, and he's like, all right, I got your backs. So Mowgli goes to Ka for help and asks Ka, what do I do? I don't know who these red dogs are. And Ka, being, like, over 100 years old, goes into a trance in order to search his memory and come up with a good strategy. So when he awakens, he takes Mowgli to the Wangunga River, which is a big river in these stories. It's referenced plenty of times. 
this story takes place in the jungle that surrounds the Waingunga River. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, so be it. I'm not going to argue anything. So he takes him to the Bee Rocks, which is basically a big gorge where hives of millions and millions of wild bees live. And this is one of the most feared places in the jungle. You go there, it could be a death sentence. Like, you do not want to wait. You, you stir the bees, they're going to attack you. You thought cobras you are there. poisonous. You oh, know. you know, Craig. You fucking know. I fucking know. You're allergic to bees. Do that not stir You would die. Pot. You don't want to fucking stir a bee hive, let alone the fucking bee gorge. Dude, I flip out when I see one bee. <laughs> so Mowgli smears himself with garlic, something you might want to try to repel the bees. Although, I don't know if your girlfriend will like it. Bees are vampires. <laughs> Got it. And basically, he has the wolves wait down the Wangunga, past the bee rocks. He goes and taunts the dolls and leads them into the bee rocks, running. And eventually, the bees would sting him. But he's planning on getting through there so fast that the garlic will cover his scent enough to repel them enough so that they only sting the dolls that chase him. And okay. Goes down the river on Ka's back because he has Ka who can swim quickly through the river, and the doles have to fuck duck underwater to be avoid being stung by the bees and all this, and swim with their little dog legs, doggy paddling. So they're all getting fucked up, and whoever's left once they get to more shallow waters, there's the wolves waiting for them. Wantala kills the leader of the red dogs before dying of his own wounds, and Mowgli finds after the battle that Akila has been mortally wounded. Oh, no, Akila. Yes. Uh, before dying, he tells Mowgli that Mowgli's putting off the inevitable. you got to go back to the world of man. You have to return. Again. Yeah, like, you have to go, man. And Mowgli's stubborn. He's always stubborn. He Like, you read this book, at times, you're like, fucking Mowgli, dude, I love this dude. This dude's a boss. And at times, you read it, and you're like, oh, my God, Mowgli, you are so fucking stubborn. There's no arguing with you. <laughs> it's like... Do you always have to be right, Mowgli? Exactly, Come on. Exactly, dude. Mowgli's stubborn. He's not having it. He's like... who? Uh, he asks him... I think it was like he said, Oh, yeah, who will drive me? Like, who who will drive me there to the world of man? Not, not none, like in a none car. None of you guys... None of you guys <laughs> yeah. have your license, Nobody, okay? Nobody's gonna give me a ride. Like, can I catch a ride, please? I'm broke. I Sorry, it's like no a four-day walk. You expect me to hump it? You know, how many people... I'd go driving through the jungle. But he means who will drive me like they drove the buffalo into the gorge. Yeah. He, he, who, who will drive will me? me? And Akila says, I'm pretty sure this was word for word, Mowgli will drive Mowgli. And Mowgli's uh... like, so be it then. When Mowgli drives Mowgli, I'll go back to the world of man. He's not like, fuck you. <laughs> his, his leader's dying. He's, he's showing respect, but he's like, no. He's like, uh, uh, all right, when I feel, all right, right. Mowgli will Whenever drive I Mowgli. I feel like it. Well, when Mowgli drives Mowgli, I'm going back. That, you know what that means? That means when I feel like it. And that spring, the mating rituals and everything are going on, and all the people in the jungle are distracted, and they're all uh, irrational and wild and having fun and, you know, Filled attracted to their own kind, and Mowgli's got nobody. He even calls to his brothers. And they don't come. Well, at least they, they uh, don't get into the whole bestiality thing. <laughs> Jesus. Good, good, good. It's a children's book. Let's keep it that way, Rudyard. I was not no, even mentioning that. Rudyard's so. archives of furry porn are a total separate podcast. So, so he gets really lonely, really depressed, and he goes running. He's driven to just go running. Runs and runs and runs as far as he can through the marshes, through the swamps, through the jungles, 
And eventually, he finds a hut on the edge of the village. Coincidentally, it happens to be the home of Mesua, his mother. Grey Brother tracks him there and asks Mowgli, what's going on, dude? Like, what's up? And Mowgli tells him he finally understands he has to return to his people. And uh, they have a little spat. He's like, oh, you couldn't come when I called you? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm here, aren't I? And, uh, you just started running. I've been following you for the past <laughs> few months. <laughs> like, you know how fast you are? But Mowgli tells him, I get it. I have to return to my people. It's not going to work. Me being in the jungle is not going to work. Like, me just living as a wolf is not going to work. So he, he visits his, uh, his mentors, his tutors, his family, bids a tearful farewell to them. And at that, departs with his four brothers, Grey Brother and his other three, who were never named in the books. Goes to find his place in the world. Now, let's take a quick break. At this point, everything that happens from this point on is contained in the short story In the Rook, which is the, act- is, which is the only one of these stories that was actually intended for adults, not children, and was the first of any of these stories. It was written before the Jungle Books, and was the first story that was ever written to feature Mowgli. Chronologically, it takes place last. Okay. When he is a man. He's fully grown at this point. Not sure how old, but I think at the end of that last story, he was about 17. And this one is the worst of them. It was the first written, and Mowgli wasn't defined. He doesn't act like Mowgli. Um, Right, well, because it was done before the character was actually fleshed out. He's not as stubborn and boss as he was. He's much more... I don't know. You'll see. Basically, he ends up helping Gisborne, a forest officer. You know, a forest ranger. Um, He ends up helping him track down a tiger that has killed a man in his jurisdiction. No, it's not Khan. I killed that motherfucker. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But Mowgli's like, oh, I got experience with this. And he helps him find him. And Mowgli and Gisborne become good friends. Mowgli would stop by and visit. They'd chill, talk. And uh, he also helps him when his butler, Abdul Ghaffar, who doesn't like Mowgli and is incredibly bitter of him, steals his money and plans to make off with it and blame Mowgli. Abdul Ghaffar does not like Mowgli. He ends up stealing Gisborne's money while Mowgli and Gisborne are off and steals one of his horses to make off with it and blame it on Mowgli. Mowgli, though, has really good hearing, and he knows that what particular horse he heard. And he's like, dude, dude just took your horse. And Gisborne's like, nah, <laughs> he wouldn't. And he's like, all right, don't believe me, but he just took your horse. And he's like, word, well, you called to other animals before. Call my horse here then. Called his horse there. The horse shows up with Abdul Ghaffar on its back. And he's like, what the fuck? Oh, God. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Mowgli's got Gisborne's back. They really right. hit it off. They're right. dudes. Yo. They become like best buds. And uh, Gisborne offers Mowgli a job as a forest ranger. He's like, you really should be doing this. I've never seen anybody with the knack for, like, the jungle as you do. Oh, my God, this is insane. You can call animals. Like, Mowgli refuses, but eventually he does agree to work for the forest service. Falls in love with Abdul Ghaffar's daughter. Actually sneaks off with her. And, oh, Abdul's not happy about that. He's pissed. And uh, he makes to shoot Mowgli. But Gisborne's like, dude chill. Don't be a bitch, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. (laughs) (laughs) 
And yeah, but yeah. I should have fired you anyways because, you know, you tried stealing my horse. Oh, Gisburn was a straight up, he was straight up about it. He's, it, dude, Abdul apologized and he's like, word, well, you know what? You're a really good butler. You've always done me right. I'm going to give you another chance. You did this. You apologized. You, you came straight, even though you only came straight because Mowgli caught you. I'm going to give you another chance and trust that you won't fuck me over again. And that, I, dude, Gisborne's a pretty cool dude. So Mowgli takes a wife and Abdul's daughter, agrees to work for the Forest Service, and uh, ends up living in the jungle with his four brothers, his wife, and his child. So is this one of those happily ever after? Uh, I don't know. What do you think of that ending? I, I don't like that Mowgli became a forest ranger and... I mean, I kind of do, but I wish it was written better. It's written, he's very, like, he keeps calling him, uh, what's the word? Banjud. Banjud. No, um, Sahib. Sahib, which I think means, like, sir. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's very, like, oh, you, you're the cultured white man. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so racist. So Gandalf says to the Mogwai. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gizmo? That's the story of Mowgli. Some characters we didn't mention are uh, Ko the Crow, Mang the Bat, Rama and Misa the Water Buffalo. Can't forget about them. Icky the Porcupine, who actually probably... Had a spinoff? No, Icky probably had the biggest role of anybody that we're listing right now. Uh, Mao the Peacock, Chikai the Rat, and Farao the Woodpecker. That's the story of Mowgli. In a nutshell, in a big layered nutshell... (laughs) Big fucking nutshell. Just to sweeten the pot, here's a little bonus section for you guys. Fair point. Fair point style. Bonus section. There have been accounted reports of real life feral children in the past. Never as happy. No, definitely not as kick ass as that. Uh, Usually it's kind of sad to think of that and see it. Yeah, they're generally mentally or physically handicapped. Do not acclimate to human society at all. Yeah, and can't are re-out. not near as boss as Mowgli. No. Obviously, not all of these are true, I'm sure. I mean, these are all up to debate, too, though. Yeah. A lot of them are considered to be at least partially hoax, if not mostly or all. So take all this with a grain of salt. Yeah. If you, if you find a story interesting... Google is available. Research it yourself. We're not here to inform you completely of the completely factual true facts of these stories. We're here to talk about it and have a good time. We're not going to deliberately mislead you, So, but a lot of this yeah. shit's probably fucking bullshit. There's, there's a chance it could be. A pretty high chance. In the late 16th century, the Bamberg boy grew up among cattle. Which isn't near as badass of as cattle, you say, huh? Wolves. So he learned to, you know, uh, chew on his own cud and and digest grass through his four stomachs. I don't think he had four stomachs, so he would just eat. Way so it was too like it was it was just like really hard sick. life for a cow. He's like, I'm not really a cow though. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to be. I'm not one. really a cow though. No. Yeah, Are you? No. No. <laughs> I know. Moo. Moo. No it's, always, it's always moo with you. That's your answer to everything. <laughs> I'm just asking you if it's all right to relieve myself ma, ma, anywhere ma. here. I hate it when you get like this. Ma, ma, ma. 
I'm going to I'm going to my other dad's. There was uh, noted a wild girl of Champagne. Champagne, oh, yeah. Poland. I've, no, I've known a few of them. <laughs> they get crazy on that <laughs> champagne. Champagne. Uh, she was found and witnessed by famous scientist Charles Marie de la Condamine. Said that uh, her fingers and her thumbs were extraordinarily large and she was extremely fast and she hunted like a wolf. And once the Queen of Poland. Uh, once the Queen of Poland passed through Champagne in 1737, basically... She probably got really wet. Yeah. <laughs> she took possession of this wild girl, and she took get her it, hunting. Because she, she passed through Champagne. It was like, just <laughs> get it? She yeah. was really sticky yeah, and wet. Yeah. Cause... Oh, the champagne, the champagne showers, yeah. As I was saying. <laughs> no, she took this, this wild girl hunting and used her as like a hunting dog. Oh, uh, what a bitch. Right? Basically, it said she outran and killed. Not the girl. Oh no, not the girl. Not the girl because she was a hunting dog. She that was would a female be so, hunting dog. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. That would be mean, worse than the actual. That took her out. Ah. There was an Irish boy brought up by sheep, reported in Nicholas Tulp's book *Observations Medica*. The boy was severely disabled and exhibited for money. He was brought up by sheep. Well, yeah, I mean, you. how many times have you ever heard somebody called a lamb-brained guy? <laughs> Some guy that's times. smart. You fucking lamb-brained weirdo. Oh, they're probably making fun of that poor boy. It was the opposite of Sheep in the Big City. Uh, wasn't that Babe? No, you don't remember Sheep in the Big City, the cartoon on Cartoon Network? That was my shit. You don't remember that No, cartoon? I don't shit. No. Oh, it was so good. I didn't remember it until just now. <laughs> There's also the ostrich boy. Uh, a boy named Hadara was lost by his parents at age two in the Sahara Desert, and he was apprehended by ostriches. Ostriches like, all right, we got you surrounded. The jig yeah. is up. At age 12, he was taken back to society and his parents. But up until that point, he was raised by ostriches. Do you think just, he, like, like, buries his head in the sand? Probably. Or, like, under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me. It's not Ostriches happening. don't really do that, though, do they? I think that's a myth. I think so, too. There was a boy that was considered a leopard child raised by leopards. Oh, that's pretty fucking yeah. dope. Uh, he was left there in about 1912, and then he spent three years with them. And at the time the kid was identified, it was said that he ran on all fours all about as fast as an adult man. And he can dodge in and out of like obstacles and shit. Do you know when they found him? He was running on all fours. He he was like an adult man, ten years old. The thing they didn't mention is that he was running on all fours as fast as an adult man could run on all fours. (laughs) (laughs) He's as fast as any man I've seen run on all fours. Um, There was an Irish boy brought up by sheep. Oh, no, I already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> he was super lamb-headed. Uh, this one was proven to be a hoax, but the Syrian gazelle boy was a 10-year-old boy found in the midst of a herd of gazelles in the 1950s, and he could run oh, up to... Oh, no way. Yeah, dude, he could run up to 50 miles an hour. Do you think he hopped like, a, he, like, hopped yeah, like dude, the gazelle, I right? Totally. I totally think he did do that. And... Uh, well, didn't they try the to only, catch him, supposedly? Yeah, the only and way they, they couldn't? could catch him was with, the, uh, with an Iraqi army jeep. 
Yeah, they, they failed to do it with a net, so a giant net didn't work. Oh, the, is that actual? Or you yeah. Just... Well, I mean, well, remember, as, as it's far not as, the fact that this it's, is as, as actual as the fact that, yeah. Is that an actual lie, or is it just yes. what you made up? No, 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 it's an actual <laughs> lie. Okay. <laughs> uh, back in 1991, in Uganda, a villager was searching for firewood and she came about a little boy that was living with a pack of monkeys. It was weird. The boy was named, they identified the boy as John Sabunya, who apparently disappeared into the forest at the age of two or three in about 88. Okay. Because he witnessed his dad murdering his mother and he just like scurried off into the forest. Okay. He was raised by monkeys. And this guy is actually, uh, it's a good story to, to finish this one up. He's kind of like the most closest to Mowgli. Uh, I have actually heard of this one. I didn't know that his dad killed his mother. I, I, I heard that he escaped. No, actually, no, because the one I heard was in Russia. <laughs> this is no, this is John Sabunia. Oh, yeah, are you just talking about a different story? No, yeah, that? dude, I know Ivan, Ivan Mishikov was found living as the alpha male of a wolf pack in Russia, but he ran away from his mom and her abusive alcoholic boyfriend at age four. Ah, yeah, different person. Okay, wow, yeah. it's interesting that they share the same, like... Yeah, but this guy... Theme. He now is about 21 years old. Uh, he, he left and was part of African's Children Choir. He started, like, he acclimated back to human society. Okay. So that that's something, you know, that's something. That, you know, that, that's why I said, like, that's most closest assimilated to Mowgli, Mowgli because, you know, apparently he was good. Mowgli with... did keep living in the jungle, though. Well, I mean, by working the end, the though, the service. ending part. Yeah, but he, yeah. he kept living in the jungle, but he was working for the Forest Service. Oh, fair enough. And he had a wife and kid. So he, he went back and to... five mate. monkey friends. Yeah. yeah. He had to get a mate. That They, they were like, look, Mowgli, <laughs> we're not going to... We don't know how else to put this. You have to get a mate. Like, you're not going to find one in the jungle. Like, seriously, that's why you're so fucking lonely and depressed. But this And is don't go story. looking at me, buddy. I'm telling you right now, get those <laughs> eyes off of me. The Bandar Log said they would. Oh, God. What um, log? <laughs> so this Ivan Mishakov guy, though, the, the dude who was found actually living as the actual alpha male of the wolf pack. This was recently, too. Um, yeah. He, at age four, ran away from his mother and abuse, her abusive boyfriend. Yeah, I believe I heard that. And uh, he gave, yeah, he gave, <laughs> dude, he, would, he basically went out and gave food to wolves to earn their trust. Escaped the police three times. Baller. Yeah, defended by the pack of wolves. And the cops eventually, like, separated him from the wolves using bait in a restaurant kitchen to, like, trapped the wolves in there and apprehended him and yeah sent him to jail they didn't send him to jail i don't know how much of that is true like really? the wolves are like what is really? that smell that's insane dude yeah he's he's uh earned their trust the by wolf giving back. them food yeah. and he would escape the cops like what was he going into city stealing up he's still papers he was stealing meat from the deli yeah i guess bringing it to the wolves Ramachandra, in the 1970s and 1980s, was found at about 12 years old, living an amphibian lifestyle in the Kuwano uh, so River. She was really sleeping with the fishes. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say that. That's pretty cool. Oh, uh, he preferred raw food. 
walked with an awkward gait, and um, he... Uh, at least he could walk, I mean. Well, he finally died in 1982 after he was supposedly most likely sexually attracted to this woman and approached her and scared the shit out of her, and she scalded him with boiling water. Ouch. He died. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Hot water burn baby? I don't think he was a baby. Uh, he was found ruined, at 12 years old. Everything. Uh, in 2004, Andrei Tolstik of Russia was abandoned by his parents and ended up being raised by his guard dog. Wow, that, the guard dog? Yeah, dude, fucking props to the guard dog. Right? That's cool as shit. Not guard that dog's it's, it's like, not cool that his parents abandoned two him. Two months but. from retirement, too old for this shit. <laughs> guard dog was like, I got you. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know how to raise a kid. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Anybody know how to change a diaper? A diaper? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In October of 1920, two twin girls were found squatted with a bunch of wolves in an abandoned anthill. In an anthill? Yeah. How yeah. do they fit in an anthill? Ant hills are tiny. I step on them. Maybe it's a different I kind don't. of anthill. I actually avoid stepping on them, but I can step on them yeah, if maybe. I wish. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. It was the cave that was near the anthill. <laughs> There's a big difference, Craig. No, no, I'm just I'm making that up. It said it was in an abandoned anthill. I was making the cave part up to make it an sound more credible. abandoned anthill. <laughs> the, ants, the ants abandoned the Listen. anthill, and these two girls took refuge with, in with wolves. With <laughs> wolves. I don't know how you'd fit one girl in an anthill, let alone a family of wolves and another girl. <laughs> and another girl on and top of Baloo. it. And <laughs> No, no, Baloo was nowhere well, to be found. He was the wolf's teacher. There, there was no need for comment from him. But anyway, sadly enough, the mother wolf was shot and killed. The girls were named and brought back to society. Kamala and Amala. They had misshapen jaws, elongated yeah, canines. Near Calcutta? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was proven as a hoax, too. Because she learned, finally learned to walk upright and spoke 50 words eventually? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was I like, no, know. it was just a young girl with Down syndrome. You I wasn't there. bastard. Uh, the Lobo Wolf Girl of Devil's River, who, may I just say, has the coolest name of any feral child I've ever the Lobo. Heard of or encountered in my life. Reminds me of DC Comics. The Lobo Wolf Girl of Devil's River. Uh, her mother died in labor while traveling and was found dead, but the baby was never found. Uh, she was later found by cowboys and lassoed away from her wolf compatriots. She was being raised by wolves. And uh, they locked her up in the room. In well, that the makes sense. She was the Lobo Wolf Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be, make a lot more sense than being raised by monkeys. So, They locked her in a bedroom, and that night she howled wildly all night, and eventually a bunch of wolves came and just massacred all the people's livestock, all the cowboys' livestock. Killed them all, and oh. then eventually the howling stopped, the wolves left, and they never saw the girl again. She escaped. Other people reported seeing her. And then this, I don't know, I'm no expert. If I'm not mistaken... This is actually one of the most credible feral children's stories that there is out there. Now, granted, the most credible feral children's story is still a feral children's story. Marie Angelique Meme LeBlanc, 
who is second place for best name of any feral child ever. Because it's such a long name. Yeah, just behind the Lobo Wolf Girl of whatever, whatever. Uh, she was brought to France from Canada in about like 1720 or so and ended up escaping at age nine. Lived in the forest for ten fucking years. Badass. Ten years at age nine. She was found at age 19 and rehabilitated, reintroduced to society. She actually, like, acclimated really well. She died rich. The fuck? I want to yeah. die rich. I'm going to go live in the woods for a little bit, see I how that turns out for rich. me. I just want to live rich. I mean, I don't need to die rich. Well, I mean, I would assume dying rich means you were rich in life. I don't even need to live rich. I don't want to be rich at all. I just kind of said that because I would rather, I think, live rich than die rich. Like what if you what if you wish that you could die rich and then you just won the lotto and you were like fuck and then I you just got wish hit by I'd a die bus. comfortably. That's better. There we go. <laughs> you know what, Nathan? I think it's time time we do something that we haven't done in a bit. Well, I guess in your case that would probably be get laid. Oh no, I'm just playing. Gentleman never never hits it and tells. That <laughs> gentleman never hits it and tells. <laughs> That's that's how the saying goes, right? No, it's kisses and tells. Are you sure? I think it's hits it and tells. <laughs> you know, just know it is monogamous. Oh, Law of the jungle. Yeah, exactly. Meat is murder or some bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's what I got from tonight's episode. Tonight's episode was all about killing animals. PETA is going to fucking sue us for tonight's episode. It definitely wasn't meat is murder. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm talking about recommendations. No, but seriously, though, meat is murder. <laughs> I just cut up a deer today. I wanted to do recommendations. Where, why did we take this to a whole dark level? You know, it's been a little bit. I think it's time we do a couple recommendations. So, Word, I can, I can get down with that. I got, I got something for you. A couple years ago, a show came out on Cartoon Network, and it was more of a kid's show. Maybe that's why I never heard of it or knew and people probably know about it or maybe they didn't give it a shot because you know it's a kid's show or something like that or it's about reality television uh, yeah, you lost me. yeah. <laughs> you lost yeah exactly me exactly it's called total drama island uh, uh yeah i've heard of that it's show. actually really funny really uh you know me i hate that survivor reality television bullshit and i mean like you know i'm thinking stupid kids show whatever but it mocks it so well and it's so hilarious like, really? Yeah, and there's a lot of characters that are really cool and that you love to hate, and then you see like interesting. All of, yeah, yeah, I never really gave it a chance, but I've I've seen little pieces here and there. Like I know what it is. I can it's like characters. there's definitely a lot of good jokes. Interesting. Laid in there. I would say give it a shot, you know, because if you're like me, you hate reality television, so you wouldn't give a cartoon about reality television time of day, right? I mean, I don't know. Um, it, well, together. I mean, it really wouldn't. Yeah, drawn together, but this is but that's also adult humor. Yeah, versus a kids show, something that's legitimately <laughs> made. Yeah, that's marketed know, towards pre-teens. marketed towards yeah the preteen. Which audience. which you would think would be everything you don't like about reality television. Yeah, but it's 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 great. It's brilliant, honestly. All right, maybe I'll check out an episode or two. Yeah, start from the beginning. Also, it's available on Netflix. Just let you know. My recommendation, it's getting cold outside. It's it's really like winter's starting up, it's snowing. My recommendation hot is Hot cocoa? Is get a coat and a cup of hot cocoa. <laughs> no. Um, my recommend yeah. My recommendation is to get a cup and a cup uh, 
a cup and a coat of hot cocoa. <laughs> Dr. K prescribes. A coat and a cup of hot cocoa, as well as to put this album on your iPod. And the next time there's a flurry of snow out and it's really wintry, this is a really good album to listen to. It's one of my favorite winter albums. Thriller. No. Uh, the album's called Population by the Most Serene Republic. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I don't know why. I'm a fan. It's it's very... Uh, it, it's winter music to me. And I think it's like... It's very, very, very loud. But very, very, very soft. Well, it's almost like a makeshift orchestra. Kind of. There's like so many different true. parts of it. True. And it's... It can seem, I don't know, I just, I think the fact that it's very loud and very soft at the same time is kind of like being in a snowstorm, you know, if that makes sense. Or am I just like, whoa, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I get you. I I don't know. Like when when there's snow just flurrying around you, that kind of has that loud but soft. Right. The music, I think it complements it very well. And it's a phenomenal album. There are other albums, not bad, but Population. Definitely give Population a shot. You told me it was a good one. I gave it a shot, too, and I liked it. Oh, it's great, yeah. Good choice, good choice. And another good choice would be to go to our Facebook page. I've been there. Fairpoint Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Yeah. That's the main thing. Talk to us. Yeah, up until secretroommultimedia.com is up and running, which keep your eye on that. But up until that's up and running, that's the home base. And even when it's up and running, still come like our page. We don't know when you're listening to this episode. It could be the future. Holy shit. What if we're talking to people in the future? That's some dangerous thinking, Nathan, and you better stay away from it. We don't want to miss this opportunity. There's only we only have like one chance to talk to people. In the, okay, we we're talking to people in the future. Let's say what we have to say. Um um, check out our Twitter at Fairpoint Pod. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, how about send us an email at fairpointpodcast at yahoo.com. Wait, no, fuck, it's in the future. They probably don't use email anymore. Ah, oh, they use mind meld. Send us a mind meld at fairpointpodcast at, at mindmeld.com slash mind meld. <laughs> slash my meld <laughs> mind blowing dot mind jpeg melt. I don't know <laughs> backslash gif I don't and of course youtube.com slash fairpoint podcast there's a new video up a clip of the Guy Fox episode oh yeah it's hilarious you gotta, oh hilarious we're so funny even if you like, see, that's how we're gonna save this one by putting funny. Rudyard Kipling, yeah. Mm, yes, you know what I'm saying. Anytime you're uh, pandering to the lower class, <laughs> you know what? Mm, I don't even need to say goodbye to you. See you, peasants. Mm, dick. And please, fucking dick, Rudyard. Please give us a rating or a review on iTunes. From the secret room, I'm Nathan Capacer. And I'm Craig Lewis. And remember, meat is fucking murder. (laughs) We'll see you guys in two weeks. The holiday season will be upon us. Thanks for listening. Peace, brethren. Shit, son. And you know, I'd just be watching this. I'd be watching this animal plant all the time. I know what I'm doing, son.